0: like the unreality of your mind. The whole thing is very splendid and voluptuous and absurd. Today's episode of History Obscura has been presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you and me, to monetize our podcasts. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so we always know how much we're going to get when we include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at Podgo.co. Tell them History Obscura sent you. Hello, and welcome to History Obscura, a place where lycanthropy is nothing to be ashamed of. Perchance did any of you catch the lunar occultation of Mars this evening? Did it make you question your fundamental place in the universe? Excellent! Speaking of questioning oneself... Once upon a time... In 1788, Charles Bonnet reported the case of an elderly woman who was preparing a meal in her kitchen when a draft struck her forcefully on the neck, paralyzing her one side as if hit by a stroke. When she regained the ability to speak, she demanded that her daughters dress her in a funeral shroud and place her in her coffin, since she was, she said, dead. The dead woman became agitated and began to scold her friends vigorously for their negligence in not offering her this last service. And as they hesitated even longer, she became extremely impatient and began to press her maid with threats to dress her as a dead person. Eventually, everybody thought it was necessary to dress her like a corpse and to lay her out in order to calm her down the old lady tried to make herself look as neat as possible, in full view of her friends and family, rearranging tucks and pins, inspecting the seam of her shroud, and expressing dissatisfaction with the whiteness of her linen. In the end, she fell asleep and then was put to bed. Hoping to break her spell, a physician attended her bedside and administered a, to quote, Powder of precious stones mixed with opium. Eventually, the woman did awake from her delusional state. However, she continually developed her paroxysm every three months for the rest of her life. During the periods when she thought that she was dead, she talked to people who had long been dead and even preparing dinners for them. The next documented case of this extremely unusual collection of delusions came in 1880. A middle-aged woman paid a visit to the French neurologist Jules Cotard, complaining of an unusual predicament. She believed she had no brain, no nerves, no chest, no stomach, no intestines. Mademoiselle X, as Cotard dubbed her in his notes, told the physician she was nothing more than a decomposing body. Furthermore, she believed neither God nor Satan existed, and that she had no soul. As she could not die a natural death, she believed she did not need to eat. Mademoiselle X later died of starvation. Dr. Jules Cotard was a Parisian neurologist who first described his deliré de négation. Cotard's syndrome, or Cotard's delusion, as it is called in English, includes varied delusions ranging from the belief that one has lost organs, blood, or other body parts, to believing that one is dead. Some sufferers believe that they simply do not exist, Encountered primarily in psychoses such as schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, Cotard's syndrome has also been described in organic lesions of the non-dominant temporoparietal cortex, as well as in migraine. Thanks to Jules Cotard's documentation of these delusions, and his other medical work concerning the brain and memory, the condition has become known as Cotard's delusion. Some refer to it as Walking Corpse Syndrome, which has quite a ring to it, if you ask me. It is a very rare condition, with about 200 estimated sufferers worldwide. In 2013, new scientists interviewed a man named Graham Harrison, who had attempted suicide nine years earlier by taking an electrical appliance with him into the bath. He awoke in the hospital, believing he was dead. He later told his interviewers, When I was in hospital, I kept on telling them that the tablets weren't going to do me any good, because my brain was dead. I lost my sense of smell and taste. I didn't need to eat, or speak, or do anything. I ended up spending time in the graveyard because that was the closest I could get to death. Harrison believed he had died in the bathtub and that the electrical appliance had fried his brain, to quote. Doctors tried to explain to Harrison that he was indeed alive, but he would have none of it. Eventually, neurologists Zeman and Loris conducted a PET scan on Harrison's brain and found something quite disturbing. Graham's brain function said Dr. Loris, resembles that of someone during anesthesia or sleep. Seeing this pattern in someone who is awake is quite unique to my knowledge. Typically, those suffering from this disease are put on a combination of antidepressants and antipsychotic drugs, although electroconvulsive therapy has also been known to be successful. Except, of course, when you take your toaster in the bath. For Graham, his state of mind bounces back and forth. He likes to sit in the graveyard to feel more himself, but says, The police come and get me, though, and take me home. Another patient, known as Ms. L, was admitted to the psychiatric unit when her family called 911. Ms. L complained that she was dead and that she smelled like rotting flesh. She wanted to be taken to a morgue so that she could be with other dead people. Upon interview in the hospital, the patient expressed fear that paramedics were trying to burn down the house where she was living with her cousin and her brother. She also admitted to hopelessness, low energy, decreased appetite, and somnolence. Ms. L reported that she had been on antidepressants while living in the Philippines for the last 18 years. Having moved to the United States only a month previously, she could not recall the name or the dosage of her lifelong medication. Ms. L showed improvement in symptoms over a course of a month on 25 mg of olanzapine daily, escatolopram of 20 mg daily, and lorazepam of 2 mg daily. At discharge, she denied nihilistic or paranoid delusions and hallucinations and expressed hopefulness about the future. She also had a desire to participate in psychiatric follow-up care. Another case study, described in 1996, described the motorcycle accident of a Scotsman whose brain was damaged. The patient's symptoms occurred in the context of more general feelings of unreality and of being dead. In January of 1990, after his discharge from hospital in Edinburgh, his mother took him to South Africa. The patient was convinced that he had been taken to hell, which was confirmed by the heat and that he had died of sepsis following the accident. He also thought he may have died from AIDS, which, coincidentally, he had just read about in a magazine. He thought he had borrowed his mother's spirit to show him around hell, and that she was soundly asleep and safe in Scotland. Keep all this in mind, dear listeners, and if you or someone you know is dead, do alert a medical professional. Good night! Hi, I'm Sarah Steele, and I host a podcast called Let's Talk About Sex. I look at a different cult each episode, examining the group's leadership, beliefs, recruitment methods, member experiences, and any notable incidents during its existence. It's a monthly podcast with a heavily researched, deep-dive storytelling style. That's Let's Talk About Sects, and the website is ltaspod.com for all your podcast provider links. Hope you'll have a listen.